What's going on, y'all? Welcome back, man. Listen, it's a great time to be alive. September's right around the corner, man. And with that being said, a lot of y'all have been hitting me up asking kind of what all goes into uh, logistically uh, an out west elk hunt, man. A lot of you guys come from those eastern states. So what I did, I got my buddy on the on the horn here, Tyler Latham, a uh, longtime friend of mine. We actually grew up in the same hometown, uh, and he came out last year for his first elk hunt. So I've got him on the horn, man, and we're going to just talk about everything that went into that hunt from the standpoint of training, money, tag, buying your tag, all that stuff. I mean, this is going to be a, a, a deep dive into what it took him uh, to come out here with his buddy last year and hunt OTCL. So, you know, I think you guys are going to like this one. I think a lot of questions are going to be answered with this episode. So I think it's going to be some good stuff. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Like I said, I got my good buddy Tyler Latham here on the phone. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a really, really good episode. Tyler, man, I appreciate you being here, man. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me, buddy. It's good to good to be here. Hell yeah, man. So what's been going on in Missouri? You've been doing some catfishing or what's been going on? Yeah, man, we've been uh, we've been catfishing quite a bit. Um, you know, we, we took a couple weeks off. You know, we were really low on water as far as uh, rainfall over the last couple months, especially late spring, early summer. Um, we started to go to get a little bit more rain. Um, you know, most of our fishing we do on the Missouri River, um, which is where we do a lot of our duck hunting and stuff, too. You know, so it's cool. Um, it's cool to be out there. But um, with the lack of rainfall, you know, it's been a little bit slower this year. We've had a lot of fun, um, you know, just like anything. When when you lack water or rainfall, you know, it, it puts a dampener on everything that you do in the outdoor world. That's so, a fact. And I yeah, know, yeah. Uh, you know, looking at the uh, the weather, man, it seems like it's been hot as hell over that way, too. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been uh, mid upper 90s almost every week. You know, um, we get a couple of days here and there. We just actually started getting some rain the last couple of weeks. Um, good, good shower or two a week. So that's cool. You know, um, actually got some food plots and stuff started up. Uh, did some brush hogging earlier in the week um, last week and then finally did some some tilling over the weekend. So looking forward to, uh, you know, getting some seed in the ground to see what this fall may bring, you know. Hell yeah. And then uh, we spoke this morning. Sounds like there's some good news on the trail camera front. Sounds like you got some pretty good deer running around a couple one of your spots, man. Yeah, man. I got a got a couple deer I'm actually hoping to, to target. You know, it's still a little bit early to know exactly what deer is what as far as, um, you know, their growth periods and their antlers right now. But um, over these next four or five weeks, we're really going to get to see these deer turn out to what they're going to be this fall as they start to roll into a hard horn, um, you know, type of season for them um but yeah man it's uh we've been actually very fortunate to have the deer that we have um you know i do food plots and stuff every year definitely helps keep these deer around um last year was a good deer season a a good year for growth as far as uh the deer herd themselves but uh me too you know from a hunting standpoint having to pass a couple deer in the 150s low 160s um you know being three to four year old deer um, you know, trying to do things the right way, um, you know, hunting these mature whitetails. So definitely excited to see what happens. I'm excited for you to come down this, this winter, man. It's going to be a, a good, good couple days for us, you know, chasing whitetail. We haven't got to do that in years. So I'm looking forward to that, you know? Yeah, no question, man. And, uh, you know, we've, we've done a couple Missouri duck trips, uh, so far, but hadn't hunted any big game in Missouri. So I'm, I'm fired up for that, you know, win, lose, or draw going to be one hell of a time. Stomping oh, yeah. around in the woods, regardless, you know, but uh, right. obviously hopefully we can get on something. But uh, yeah, man, let's go ahead and transition right into the elk, man. That's what everybody's here to hear. And uh, I can't wait to hear this from you. We've kind of spoke about it 
uh, mm-hmm. before we're really going to dive into this, man, as far as everything it takes, fully real, completely honest, just, just you know, everything about it. So, you know, we'll start off by what all, what tags did you have to get as a non-resident to be able to pick up your over-the-counter bow license? Um, well, I had to, um, I had to submit to the state, you know, obviously that I had my hunter safety education card uh, and that was valid. Uh, so on and so forth, which is common in every state you'll go to as a non-resident or even as a resident, really. Um, you know, so I had to show validation of that. And then um, I bought an over-the-counter um, public bow tag, and it was actually for either sex. So you could have bought just a bull tag. I think it was 675 or an either sex tag for 750 which is what Luke and I actually both chose to do. So all it was was going in, giving them your... I mean, it was that simple. You go in, you give them your hunter safety, yep. you, uh, you get the the tag. Now, isn't there a qualifying license? Did y'all have to get like a habitat stamp or something like that? Wasn't there some other license you needed? Or was it, do you just get the tag? I'm not, I'm not um, sure. I believe it was just the tag. So okay. it was kind of like how it is whenever you come out here to hunt with us. You know, you've got to send in proof that you've got, um, you know, your hunter safety. And once they have that logged into their system, um, you go online and you actually pay for it online, but it has to be printed in store. So I had sure. to go in Bass Pro Shop right there in Denver, you know, when we were headed uh, your way, you know, right off the interstate, we just stopped in and got it printed out real quick. And there we went, you know. Okay. So, so far you're 750 bucks in before you even leave, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're 750 bucks in. Now, obviously, as you already knew coming into this, you know, and it didn't take me, letting you know you, you understand the physical kind of barrier of entry that, that comes with elk hunting, especially in the OTC fashion. So you knew what to expect for the most part coming out here. Uh, now, when y'all were training beforehand and, and, you know, you work a full-time job, but what were you able to, uh, as far as training, what, what were you doing to, to kind of get ready for this? Oh, man. Um, well, you know, you come off of just a standard workout maintenance. You know, I was an athlete, of course. Um, so I hit the gym, you know, pretty regularly. Um, but as far as prepping myself, you know, to come out that way, um, elevation, I think, was my biggest fear. Um, you know, altitude, you know, being up in, in higher elevation. Um, I don't think I was so much worried about uh, the fatigue side of it as I was getting my lungs prepared. Because, you know, if you can't breathe, you can't walk. So um, I think the first thing that we did, you know, we started um, doing a little bit of cardio, a little bit more cardio than what you know, we would typically do, like I said, I mean, I'm not really a cardio guy going to the gym. I lift, you know, like I feel like I'm in pretty good physical shape. Um, but as far as lung capacity goes, you know, I mean, it's a different, it was a different beast being out there. I don't know if you, uh, if you remember Luke and I, you know, we trained for a couple months on the stepper carrying our packs. You know, I think we yeah, both walked after. 50 plus miles trying to break in our boots, you know, um, all that stuff was very crucial, you know, and, and, and overall, um, how you were going to feel on a day in day out basis out there. Um, Luke and I got out of the truck and I think we walked like 50 yards and looked at each other. Like, how are we going to do this? You know? Um, and the first day was a little bit of a struggle, but you know, day two was, was much better. Um, I'll say this, had I not have trained, I would have, I wouldn't have been able to do, you know, what we did. Right. And I think that goes, it goes down to simply the better shape you're in the, the better time you're going to have, because if y'all wouldn't have trained, y'all would have been absolutely miserable. Uh, oh, gas, you know, man. 
gas. And, and, you know, people need to understand, even if you do train, especially if you're not training at altitude, at least those first couple of days, it, it's going to suck because, I mean, that's just the way it is. It's kind of like uh, training camp in football, man. You can do OTAs. You can be in the weight room all you want. But when training camp comes around in the first couple of days to a week, it just hurts because there ain't nothing like it. Uh, right. You know, so it's like, for me, I'm real fortunate because my, my property backs up to National Forest and I can just go ruck. You know, right. that's, to, yeah. to me, you know, for me, it's like, I would rather do that than be in the gym because like, this is what I'm doing it for. Uh, yeah. So, you know, for me, man, uh, this year I haven't been in the gym near as much. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I feel pretty good on the mountain. And that's just because I've been just rucking my ass off daily. Oh, right, man. Uh, because, you know, the more that I do it, now I know what I need to get strong and what's going to fail first typically. And, you right. know, what those hard days, you know, what the lowest of the lows, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I, I've kind of tailored my, my plan around that. And, uh, but yeah, to your point, man, you, you've got to come in shape. Now, can you kill an elk 100 yards off the road? Yeah, it happens. I mean, a couple of yeah, sure. those happen every year but to bank on that i think you're doing yourself a disservice uh, <laughs> right because because as you just heard you're 750 bucks uh in before you even put the keys put fuel in the, in the truck, truck. To leave, right i mean we're yeah you know what i mean you're gonna invest some money it's not it's not a crazy amount of money but you're gonna invest money in it so i mean if, if i'm coming from out of state i'd want to be in the best shape that i can because for most people you're only going to have a week you know maybe right. 10 days if you're lucky i to think be we were there off. we were gone what seven eight yeah. So we had a day to drive. Yeah. We got it yep. straight out of the truck, man, and we started yeah. hiking. I mean, we went straight yep. up the side of the mountain. I think we parked at eighty five thousand or eighty five hundred foot. We camped somewhere Might be a around little more than that, but yeah, somewhere in there, yeah, somewhere in and the we camped at like ten two. Yeah, we camped so, I mean, at ten two. <laughs> yeah, we got out and yeah. started climbing. Yeah, yeah, man, it was yeah. cool. It's definitely something like you'll never forget. But I tell people this, you know, like you said, from the athlete standpoint. You know, you go into summer camp or whatever, and you feel like you're in good shape. Sure, you've done what you needed to do. Um, but with elk hunting, man, it's 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 so much different to me than than with the whole baseball or sports side of it. Because, you know, when you're in bad trouble, like you, your teammate gets in trouble, you know, coach makes you run, blah, blah, blah. It's the worst thing you ever did, right? But it's over when it's over. You know, you're not getting up tomorrow and doing it again. And that's the thing with, <laughs> with being out there on the, on the hillside, man, is, yeah. You know, you get up in the morning, you get, you know, you make your breakfast, hopefully make some coffee, whatever, over the, over the fire. And dude, it's, it's day one all over again. And then day three, and, day two, and, all over again and so on and so forth. I mean, it's a grind and, for sure. And here's the deal. And you need to understand this, the way that you got baptized in the fire, you and Luke, like that's, we did it the hard way. And, uh, that mountain that we climbed is a legit climb, like straight up. And, you know, y'all hopped out of the truck. Y'all handled it. Uh, I mean, these boys are carrying duffel bags and shit, like not to mention the big old pack. They've, they brought like a big pop up tent. They're carrying, mm -hmm. I mean, they've got a load. And I'm like, holy shit. So I yeah. can't imagine how y'all thought when we went that first little hill right by the truck. I'm sure right by the like, truck. That dude. was just that first. Hill. <laughs> dude, we crested that hill and I looked back at the truck and I was like, dude, that's as far as we walked. Like, man, we've made it yeah, 50 man. yards. Luke was looking at me and you turned around, caught your breath for a second. And, you know, you just kept on. And I looked at Luke and Luke looked at me like, oh, what did we sign up for? Because I knew what I was remember. coming. You know, I could I knew what was coming. I remember I looked back at Luke and his backpacks flopping all over the place. I looked, 
I was like, dude, you got to tighten your load straps. His load straps were completely loose. His pack's like flopping up against his back. And I mean, that's just little stuff that you don't know if you ain't never done a trip like that. Why, like, why is he supposed to know that he needs to tighten all these different straps right. on his pack, right? Like, so people don't realize that little two pounds bouncing around for two hours, man, is enough to throw you out of alignment, you know? Right, right. And and here's the thing when it comes to the packs, like Kafaru is the best pack out there. And I'm not just saying that because I work with them. They're the best pack out there. But I'll say this, once you get, and and, you know, you guys didn't get to experience this, but once you get a hundred pounds and more in that pack, you can have a, it don't matter what pack you got. It sucks. Right. Yeah, man. You know, y'all had heavy packs going in. Don't get me wrong. And, Mm -hmm. And for the, especially the first time y'all really like rucked in altitude, that was legit because that was a lot of weight. We went straight in on a spike hunt. That was y'all, y'all's first. We went straight in, right? I'd already been yeah. in the woods. Yeah, you had been we in. We went in. But yeah, so dropped y'all a pin. I'd already been in for a while and, uh, dropped him a pin. I was like, meet me here. Met him and we had about a 20 ish minute ride down the old dirt road, pull off the side of it and we went straight up the side of the mountain, uh, about halfway up. No bugles that night. Uh, and we went straight up the next morning in some of the healthiest stuff. That's actually where I'm going to start out this year. Yeah, we went all the way to the tundra, didn't we? Yeah, we went all the way to the top. Uh, yeah. Super elky, smelled elk a few times, but I don't think we got into anything that day, right? What is it? I don't think. We didn't get into anything that day, right? No. I don't think. Mm-mm. It was when we went to that new spot. Uh, we ended up hiking in there, and when we got all the way to the top, that's when it was going crazy in the bottom, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. But, that's uh, what people don't understand, whole- too, man. It's like, you're going to work your butt off. You might walk a mile which might take you three hours. So you walk that mile and then all of a sudden you hear a bugle down below the hill that you just came up. So now you've got yep. to turn around and go back down or vice versa, or you've yep. been on that mountaintop or vice versa. and you start going down. And then sure enough, you hear a bugle. Remember that happened to us. We started moving right up. Man. You know, we dropped off low and then that bull got up and over the top of the hill from us. So here we dropped 100%. off and then had to turn around and go right back up, man. hundred yeah. percent. So Hold on, we got to hold our thoughts here because that was going. We were going down. We were getting into meat and potatoes this trip because that was uh, God dog. That was the day we got real close. Was that the next morning? Remember, we was like, he was right there, and we were climbing through that clear cut. Yeah, uh, we were coming through that clear cut. They oh, had just logged man. that too, man. Remember? Right. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll stop there and go back to boom. So y'all uh y'all are driving out right? You know, obviously you can leave flower, you can drive. So you're driving out. Mm-hmm. How many coolers you got? Uh, we brought four coolers. We both brought 200 and 130 or 140 quart coolers. Does that sound accurate? Yeah. Okay. Right so that's, uh, they were probably, they were probably hundred quarts, maybe one twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe probably somewhere around forties. Maybe they were. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So you had two apiece. That's plenty. Uh, so you got your bow with you. So like what all, what other things did you pack? I remember I had a few items of gear for you, but like what, what all were you packing? In your pack, this is a little different. Every day, yeah, man. So, okay, everyday necessity had to be in your pack. Obviously, you got to have food, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner on you all the time because you never know really if you're going to even end up back at camp. Depends on what happens, you know. Um, So, you always got food on you. Uh, You got your bladder pack to where you can make all your water, uh, your, you you know, your hydration filter pack or whatever. you know, like, I mean, that stuff was fairly inexpensive as far as that goes, as far as money goes. Um, you know, I mean, stuff that's is always on you. You've got your cleaning kits, you know. I mean, there's another hundred bucks. Um, I think one of the most important things to me was our, um, you know, our camo, our gear. Mm. You know, like to me, mm. just the comfort 
of, uh, you know, having proper gear was, was everything. And, you know, like we spent a little bit of money and we got some stuff that was a little bit more breathable, you know, lighter weight, but, but, uh, better warmth and coverage. Um, but I mean, that, that to me was probably the most crucial thing. And then our boots, you know, I would say most likely the boots is your number one thing when it comes to that, you know, uh, you had spoke right. before about see. having a, having a taller boot because of ankles, you know, ankle issues and stuff like that. I think Luke ended up going that same, that same route. He had a more of a rugged type boot Danner, I think it was. Um, and I just wore a lighter weight, you know, mid ankle, um, under armor hover, which was like a, a tennis shoe style boot, you know, pretty pre broke in, um, 30 miles, um, pre hunt would have probably got me ready to roll, you know, whereas Luke's boots were more like 50, 60 miles to get them, uh, broke in and ready. So camo boots, that's definitely an avenue that I would suggest spending some money in because I mean, it's bad enough even with that shit, right? Like it's mm -hmm. bad enough even with the premium stuff. Uh, right. So, you know, if you've got, I'm not going to mention any names of companies, but if you've got, you know, lower level camo, which, Hey, if that's all you got and you really want to do this hunt, run with it, who gets down, suffer through it. It is right. what it is. For sure. But I'm just telling you, you know, if you've got the extra, the extra money to do it, man, I would definitely invest it in boots, camo and a backpack. That's, that's where I would be spending the money. I mean, you know, obviously if you're planning on doing a spike trip, you're going to have to have a tent, right? You're going to need, you don't need a sleeping pad, but it's going to help. Right. Uh, you know, a sleeping bag. I bring in an inflatable pillow. Can you use your puppy jacket? Yeah, it works just fine. Right. Uh, you, you know, know I want to need your kill kit. I want to mention too, Walk. You know, all the stuff that you're naming off. That's stuff that you're going to use for years to come. You know. Right. Yeah. At first, it's an overall expense. You know, one that nobody really wants to spend. Um, once it's all totaled out, and you see that that number. But I'll be honest with you, twenty five percent of what you buy, you'll have to buy every year. That mm. be your food you know, your, your water filtration systems, uh, you know, stuff like that. Every couple of years, you're going to have to buy boots, you know, but I mean, if, you, if you've got a pack that's really set aside for your elk hunting, quote unquote, your elk trips or whatever, you know, that gear is going to last you forever. You're using it a week, two weeks at a time. You know, it's just that, that initial investment. Um, you know, now I could make that trip for $750 for my tag, um, $250, $300 for fuel, um, and then just buy my food every year, you know, a couple of three, 400 bucks. I mean, I can make that trip every year for $1,200. Right. I was, that's exactly the number I was thinking. And, uh, here's a shameless plug, plug for Kafaru, man. It's like, look, you know, are, are these bags going to cost you some money? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, knowing that you buy the pack once, something happens, hit them up, send it back in, get it fixed. That goes back to that, you know, buy once, cry once thing where it's right. like, you might as well get something like this or else, all right, if, you know, 10 years down the road, if you bought three packs, all right, you probably bought a Kafaru pack. You know what I mean? So why not get the one pack that's going to last you, right? Yeah. Same thing with the camo. You get nice camo, like Keith's camo. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. it's just, it's easier to deal with than having to go out and buy it over and over again. So, yeah, I, I agree 100%, man. Like, some of these investments, you know, it's it'll pay dividends for years to come. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I agree 100%. So, you know, the backpack and stuff, if you're going that way, but your bow, uh, like you say, you mentioned the water filtration, the MREs, you, you need a jet ball. You don't need a jet ball. A jet boil is a lifesaver, man. You know? I, you know in mean? my opinion, you need a jet boil, you know, right. easy to pack. Right. It's one of the best products I've probably ever seen, you know, as far and you as. Don't have to, you don't have to build a fire. And again, I'm not saying fire is going to scare off the game, but, you know, you don't have to have a fire when you got the jet boil to cook. Yeah, you're taking the time out of that. You know, 
you're saving yourself mm-hmm. a good 30, 30 minutes, you know, because then the fire's got to get hot enough to cook. And that was going to be my next point is with a fire, how long is it going to take from the time you get that tinder burning to the time that pot of water is going to be burning? Right. A lot longer than being in that jet bowl. Yeah. Uh, but another thing, and, and you guys didn't get to experience a pack out, but uh, having trek and poles during that pack out, I was about to bring oh, trek Oh, man, and trek and poles. Remember, yeah. I lost one. Remember That's that? That's right. That's right. I lost That's one. Right. So Luke and I, we I don't know why, but I ordered a pack and I was like, I just need one. You just need one, whatever. And most of the time you got your bow in your hands, you know, you really only need one pole. Now I could definitely see situations where you would need two, but we only needed one. Um, but I ended up having mine slid down in my bag and we got back that evening right at dark. And I was like, Hey man, hand me that pole. Let's clip these back together. And I would reach back there, man. It was gone. That next day is when that bull topped that hill and we had to climb that mountainside. Remember it rained and snowed overnight. Remember that we'd got snow and a little bit of spitting rain. Yep, man, that hillside was nasty too. No, but hey, they was down in that little that little drain. Uh, then mm-hmm. we ran into that other hunter, which that's another thing, guys. Like, make your plan, but you need to have more than one plan because your plan A may be, uh, I mean, there may be fifteen trucks at the uh, trailhead. It may be an incrossable creek. You don't have your waders. Whatever it is, you know. The reason I say that is we ran into these elk, but on the way in pursuit of these elk, we ran into another hunter. Uh, yeah. So we kind of had to pull out of there. Uh, but point is, is, it just doesn't make any sense to have only one plan when you come out here because there's a pretty good chance that that first plan either ain't going to have elk or some of the stuff I just mentioned. And the last thing you want to do is be sitting in town for hours trying to figure out your next move. You ought to have a plan. You ought to have it wrote out. All this stuff, or else you're going to be wasting time, man. You come out here, put right. all this into it. You need to have plan A through E. Uh, because, I mean, even living here, like, I mean, put it to you like this. When I take Linda in, we're going to go to this one spot, where the spot we've been talking about. After mm-hmm. two nights being in this spot, maybe less, I'm going to know all I need to know about this mountain. I'm gone. If they're not in yep. there, I'm gone. Like, I'm not I'm not doing that. And that's another thing that I think would, uh, would steer people away from is some people set up these – humongous and, and don't get me wrong i've done it too it's it's fun to set up a giant wall tent and put up the shower put up all this cool shit and have it be this big Taj Mahal of a deal but then when you know you need to get out of there sometimes you may waste a day or two because you're like man i don't want to clean up camp tonight that's gonna take three hours mm-hmm. man i don't want to clean up camp let's get one more day ah, let's get one more right. day to camp when it's like you know damn well you need to get the hell out of there so I yeah man you take best. go ahead yeah, you take two more days and you just wasted two days just because you were second guessing yourself on that, you know, right. like you said, tearing it down, carrying it out. Right. And, it, and like I said, man, just being mobile because the spot we went to, they weren't even in there, which is very odd. But then all of a sudden we go to plan B and there they are. They're right. in there. Uh, and so that it, patch was actually a smaller, that, that location was a smaller track of ground too. Right. Kind of tucked up on a hillside, you know, um, close to residential ground. It, and that's, that's the thing, boundaries, man. So a lot of people, you know, I'm not trying to tell people where to hunt. Shit, I hope you don't hunt where I hunt. But, uh, you know, those boundaries, you know, they're good. They're, uh, you know, you can go from sugar to shit, uh, yeah. you know, or, or vice versa, hunting those boundaries. You know, it's a dangerous game from, from multiple standpoints, but I, I found a lot of success around those boundaries. Uh, you just got to yeah, know the rules and regulations, know the property lines, uh, make eth- ethical shots, and everything will be fine. But, yeah, that spot, those elk were right down in there at residential area, but they were going nuts, man. And yep. we had just climbed up it, up this big mountain. They were clear on the other side at the bottom, right? But then they started coming up, remember? Because I was like, 
One time, the one bugle, I thought he might have been in viewing sight. Remember? Because at one point, I'm yeah, looking over oh, yeah, there. Yeah. I'm like, I think, I think he's Yeah, that one's right there. Him. We felt like he was right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were on the way up, and our wind was good because it was getting later in the day. Our wind was good. It was kind of coming up at an angle. But I uh, just wasn't able to get it done. I remember we chased that one for a little bit. Remember, we followed that spine, yeah. kind of tried to get on him, and he kind of quit talking. Never Man, was that was a walk. Him. That was a walk. Remember, we bumped, those, walk. Uh, we bumped those cows that day. That's right. We walked right. and walked and walked. And, man, it was just like blowdown for miles, it seemed like. Just constant blowdown. And then that's another thing. People, let me tell you, if you are out and you're getting ready to go on a trip out west to hunt elk, I would say hip flexibility is mm. going to be crucial. If I had to do it over again, I'd be doing a lot more hip mobility stuff, you know, just band work, whatever, anything like that to get yourselves used to those higher steps because no step is the same out there. I can promise you that, you know, you might be on a hillside, but you also might be straddling six trees piled on top of each other. Not to mention when you strap that weight, your, uh, your waist strap, when you strap it in all that, I mean, it goes right to your hips. So like that's, when you get over 40, 50, 60, 70 pounds, like it's, it's sitting on your hips and, uh, you definitely Mm -hmm. feel it for a fact. I think we carried Um, in, I think Luke carried in like 80 pounds when we went into camp. And I carried in right at 65 or something like that. Or maybe Luke's was 70 and mine was 55. He had a little bit more weight than I did. Um, But I remember just thinking, man, like carrying weight alone for day in, day out, you know, shoulder exercises. That's another thing. I mean, people don't understand. Shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Get your bag broke in to where your straps aren't killing you, you know, when you're out there on a trail because. Um, that's one thing Luke was doing. You know, I think he trained with his bag on his back. I actually went and bought a, uh, a weighted vest, you know, just to get my shoulders used to holding weight, you know, cause that's, I mean, that alone kills your neck, you know, hundred percent neck and even your spine too. There's plenty of times I'm laying in my tent at night. Like, God, dog. I wish I had an inversion table out here. Oh my God, man. Yeah. That, so definitely back. Uh, shoulders, traps, those spinal erectors, you know, within the bat, the bat, man, the hips. There's a lot of stuff you can be doing. Again, you can't really train for the altitude, but, you know, all you can do is what you can. Like I said, I had a buddy come out last year, and uh, he didn't train very much. I hope he's listening to this. He didn't train very much, but uh, he comes out here, and he didn't quit. I'll give him that. That bastard never quit. But he was hurting. He was hurting, mm-hmm. moving very slow. <laughs> but you made it through, so – you know, but uh, yeah, point is, you know, do everything you can uh, because the more fun you're going to have is going to come with uh, with being in shape, man, as you got to see. So, yeah. OK, so y'all are we just got down a rabbit hole of the hunt. It was an incredible hunt. But uh, so as far as your gas from Missouri, what was the drive time on that uh, to where you met? Me? Uh, 13 hours, 13 hours. What? Uh, yeah. How much in fuel you think that was getting there? Mm, it was 890 miles to get there. Um, I would guess that that's probably two hundred and twenty, $250 in fuel, obviously, depending upon what you're driving. You know, we're in a, um, four wheel drive, you know, Chevy pickup truck. So we got 750 for the tags. We got 250 for the fuel. Uh, did you guys end up buying those coolers or was that just coolers you had? Coolers we had, let's just Good. say you had to buy them. You're probably going to be in around $200 just to get. You know, if you went like igloo or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, just stuff you could throw ice in as soon as you kill. 
I would agree with that. I think for two hundred bucks, you can get a good enough cooling system where you you can pack back a hole out for sure. Yeah. So we got the fuel, we got the tags, we got the coolers. What about what? Uh, now your camo? Did you already have that, or is this uh, Uh, another purchase for the trip? I bought camo specifically for the trip. Bought sick of camo. So Mm -hmm. uh, what all did you put in that money wise? And talk about Um, your system. Talk about. You know, you had, what all did you have? A base layer, outer shell? Like, what all did you bring for the hunt? Yeah, yeah. So, my, uh, I wore a base layer, you know, a uh, summertime base layer, a cooling system. Um, it, it is their, uh, it's actually their quarter zip. They call it their hoodie, but it's actually a really lightweight, almost like the, um, you know, Columbia fishing shirts that are out there. It's really We're lightweight. We're talking about the really thin one with the face mask built into it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. I know what you're Yeah, about. you saw it in turkey mm-hmm. season. Um, so anyway, it's got a flip up hood. It's got a face mask built in, which is crucial for elk. Uh, I feel like you gotta have, you gotta have something covered in your face or face paint. Um, that was my base layer up top. Um, on top of that, I wore a, um, a little bit heavier of a zip up jacket, full zip jacket, but it was waterproof, breathable, waterproof. Um, I would call it like a mid season technology style jacket. Um, you know, probably going to be in that 40 to 65 degree range, something like that. You'd want to have it on. Like I wore it every morning, but we'd walk about 150 yards, you know, and I'd take it off because yeah. I was like, God, it's hot. Um, so, you know, even, even spending that money, you know, you have to, you have to dress appropriately for what you're, for what you're doing. Um, my base layer for my pants was practically the same thing as my quarter zip hoodie. Um, it was a lightweight, you know, under armor. Um, style material it was made by Sitka obviously um and then they have a stretch fit um mid-season pant as well for uh Sitka that was uh you know pretty lightweight um but waterproof water resistant I'll say that water resistant not waterproof um but yeah I mean that was pretty much it on the regular you know you can't really stop on the trail and take uh heavy layers off on your on your lower body um, considering you have boots on and you're on a hillside, you know, so definitely dress heavier up top if need be. Um, but really once you're on the trail and on the move, you know, as well as I do, I mean, you heat up pretty fast. I would definitely recommend when you leave the tent in the morning, uh, or you leave the truck in the morning, you should probably be chilly, uh, when you first start to walk out, because if you're warm, when you first start to walk, that's probably not good. Uh, you probably want to be a little bit chilly. Because you're going to, in, in five, literally five minutes, most of the times, you know, you're, you're going to be warmed up. But uh, what would right. you say all in that camo system? What'd you put in? I would say um, maybe 500, okay. 600 max, you know. Okay, so we'll call it 600. We'll call it 600. You know what? You you, well, you got some socks, like a liner and some darn tussle. So what should we say? Like six 660 all together? Yeah. Yeah, probably okay. six sixty. Six sixty plus uh boots were about so, hundred and fifty. Okay. Boots, nice under armor boots there, hundred and fifty bucks. And then um let's see, you already have binos, you had the rangefinder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh the trekking poles, you got like some Amazon was right for cheap. Yep, yep, twenty nine dollars, I think. Thirty so we'll bucks. Call it thirty bucks. Uh let's see, tags, camo. I had the backpack for you. Uh See, Luke bought a backpack though. Let's just call it yep, 350. Okay. With the pack, we'll 350, 350. You know, that was a nice mystery ranch pack, right? Okay, great. Yeah, that was nice. Found Let's it online see. on Camo Fire, I think, or something okay. like that. Let's see. So we'll add this up. So we got the 750. 
or the tag, plus your 250. Actually, we'll call it 500 for fuel. We'll say getting there and back, 250 each way, plus 500, plus the 30 bucks for the trekking poles, plus the, we'll say 150 for the boots. We'll say plus uh, 660 for the entire Sitka camo system. Uh, you know, you got plus the 200 for the coolers. Uh, I got 350 written down here, so that's for the backpack. Okay, plus 350 for the backpack. Uh, you probably had what, maybe five, six MREs. How many MREs do you have? Yeah, probably. Hmm. Probably, probably seven. Probably so we'll seven. say seven. So we'll put that at ten bucks. So we'll say seventy. We'll call it eighty-five because I know they're a little more than that. We'll call it eighty-five. Eighty-five plus what was your uh, jet? Your cooking system was what? Hundred bucks? Eighty bucks? Yeah. Yeah, for the uh, jet boil. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Plus eighty dollars. We'll eighty bucks. Okay. Didn't even need an extra propane tank. I bought an extra one, but you know those little—I don't remember how big those canisters are. Fourteen or sixteen ounce canisters or something one like that. One canister will last you a good, a good little bit. So, oh, yeah. all right, we'll say we're sitting right now at twenty eight hundred and five dollars. We'll for the gas station snacks and other. We'll, we'll call it twenty eight. We'll call it twenty nine hundred. Just as, we'll call it twenty nine hundred. I mean, yeah. Th the thing is, is people think, and again, I'm not advocating to bring more people to the state. I'm just telling you, maybe that's selfish, but it's already packed enough. All I'm doing is providing this information, and the uh, fact of the matter is, it's a lot uh, more accessible thing than people think. Now, don't get me wrong, twenty nine hundred bucks is twenty nine hundred bucks. I get it, but I just know growing up where I did, I thought this was a twenty thousand dollar, twenty year wait, so on and so so on and so forth. Uh, I had no mm -hmm. idea that you'd come and do this every year like this. Uh, and so for that amount of money, you're up here for days on end hunting elk, right? Now, you're at a yeah. hotel, you're going to add a little bit to that, right? If you're in a gas guzzler or you're coming from farther than uh, Missouri, you're going to add some on there. But, you know, in that $3,000 range, you know, give or take a couple hundred bucks here or there, you can get it done from anywhere, I think. Uh, you know, and again, that doesn't mean you're going to be an elk, but uh, you can be out here chasing them regardless for, you know, 3000 bucks. And uh, so, yeah, man. You know, for everybody that's been asking... You know, I always ask what they're trying to look for in a hunt. But, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, you can get from almost anywhere for, for three grand and be out here uh, hunting over the counter elk, you know. But there's a lot of other stuff that, that goes into it. But even just, even if you don't kill anything, man, the experiences, like y'all, y'all had some cool ass experiences. I told you you would, man. It's something about being in the woods, chasing elk, man, hearing that first bugle. Uh, which, which one was the first bugle? Was that? It was that first morning off in that drain. Oh, that's right. Sure. We enough. went up right above. Right up from where we uh, spike camped, we went up probably, shoot, maybe 500 foot in elevation, something like that. Sure enough, that was. And uh, we we sat in that uh, we sat in that drain for a little bit, didn't hear anything. Kind of started moving back just up the mountain from our camp, and boom, one sounded off. That's right. And then we uh we were chasing that one bugle. I think it was like day three. And we went up in that fresh clear cut, followed him way up. He was going straight uphill. Followed him all the way up, and I mean, at one point, it sounded like we were 100-ish. I mean, we were not far at that yeah. at one point, and kind of dropped right. over to this little peninsula of trees, and they had all those big piles of, uh, of you know, cut wood, brush, and stuff like they were getting ready to burn. Uh, so we were kind of walking amongst those, getting this little peninsula of trees, and I don't know if the wind shifted for a quick second, because if it was just that one bull, he could, if he wanted to, he could have got out of there, and we would have never known, just silently, you know, right. easily could have. Caught wind and been gone. Uh, but I don't know what happened with that bull. We got close, but something happened. Bumped him. And then was that the same day when we kept climbing all the way to the top and they were going nuts on the backside? Or was that the next day? 
That was the next day. Yeah, because next day we tried to get up in that area to start with, and they weren't in there, so we kept climbing. That's what happened. And uh, yeah, yeah, because my buddy one more was with us was with us at that point, right? Did Cody come out there at that point? Yeah, yeah, Cody was with and, us. Uh, yeah, so we climb up in there, and they was they was going nuts down in that bottom. Uh, like I said, that boundary country, they were in there going nuts. weren't able to get it done. Ran into another hunter. Uh, that's when it started to rain too, huh? It started to rain on us a little bit after that. Yeah, yeah, man, it rained like crazy. Remember, Luke and I got down off in that marsh. I was over belly button deep in water, man. It was crazy. Oh yeah, y'all went out uh, on your own one night, and it was raining pretty good. Yeah, the whole time, yeah, right? we antelope hunted with you that morning. Cause we, like you were saying earlier, you know, you just never know. We rolled up on a spot. There was three or four trucks in there. We were kind of like didn't we didn't really know what to do uh, as far as where to go, just based on the timing. Because I think we were running maybe a minute late that morning. Um, you know, it was already kind of cracking daylight and we were like, well, we've seen this antelope, you know, on this piece of public, uh, between. Oh, that's so, so hold hold your thought. We went to pull up in this spot that I told y'all the night before I said, there's more than a truck or two in here. This is not a good spot because it's just so. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was really one way in, one way out. We were going to be calling somebody's tail actually, you know, actually all night. And sure enough, we yeah. pull up and there was like several. I remember it was more than I've ever seen up in there. That's right. Yeah. So that's when we changed. We were like, ah, well, let's let's chase an antelope for a day. That's right. Sure. Yeah, enough. you had an antelope tag, so we did that. And then that evening, I think maybe you scouted or something uh, to set yourself up for uh, that weekend when Luke and I were actually going to be headed back out of town. You were going to get back on antelope. Mm-hmm. So Luke and I took that evening. We went and hunted. That was pretty cool, man. So talk about what y'all's. This is y'all's first time going out on your own, chasing them. Like, what was y'all's strategy? You got out of the truck, and what did you do? Like, you just started walking randomly? Like, what what was your thought process going on? Well, you know, we we pulled into a piece of public. I remember as we were driving through there, you know, everything looked really marshy in this bottom. Um, You know, and most of the time, just like anywhere you go, most hunters are going to take, you know, they're going to take the easiest path to get from point A to point B. So we were thinking, okay, it's pretty marshy. It's pretty nasty. Let's see if we can find a way to access this piece of ground across this marsh, which, like I said, was all public. So we we were we had rights to be there, you know, but um, we're just trying to figure out the best way in that we felt like was going to be the least amount of pressure. Closest to the road, because it was an evening hunt, you know, we had never been there. We didn't really know exactly what we were getting ourselves into. We were using Onyx, you know, we were looking at elevation, terrain, all of that. Um, I just remember we come across this bottom and there was a. Um, a steep bridge that went up and kind of made a spine, you know, like a razorback or whatever. And it funneled up and we kind of let the whitetail instinct of us, you know, how these animals will travel. They'll use saddles just like anything else, you know, low spots and ridges to cross mountaintops and so on and so forth. You know, um, we just, we just kind of eased our way up this mountainside, um, often this, what seemed to be a funnel, um, that made us think there would be, you know, elk obviously moving through there and that transition from lower ground to higher ground. Um, we ended up bumping a couple uh, moose that evening, which was pretty cool. You know, we we're about 40 or 50 yards from a moose. Those things are massive. Um, you know, there were some uh, mule deer bucks in there. So definitely, you know, you could tell that animals wanted to be in there. I'm just not 100% sure how much pressure was on this area. So I don't really know that we had a 100% game plan just to answer your question. Um, just kind of more or less going at it with our natural instincts of just hunting, you know. Now, did y'all do any calling at all, or you just kind of was walking around doing a little steel hunting, or what? Yeah, so we did. A, we did a little bit of calling. Um, 
we got up on a uh, on a mountainside um, where we could see a really long ways. We both sat down and and he looked off. Luke looked off one side of the ridge. I looked off the other. He did a little bit of bugling. Um, we didn't hear anything. You know, we could definitely hear um, stuff walking and a lot of the blowdown and everything. But like I said, we had bumped up some muleys once we had crested that hillside. We bumped up a couple of muleys, so we we're not really a hundred percent sure what was back in there, but. Um, it was a really nasty day, to be honest with you. I mean, you remember it got real windy on us. We were up on that flat top chasing those antelope. And then we saw the storms coming in. We weren't a hundred percent sure what we were going to do, but we felt as though we were about halfway through the hunt and felt like, you know, we did, we needed to go give it a whirl. And we did it probably wasn't the best conditions ever. Max. Um, but definitely a part of that hunt, you know, that we'll never forget. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and that's the thing, uh, you know, with y'all being hunters, just hunting anything is going to put you ahead of the curve as far as chasing elk. Like you said, you mentioned a lot of elk finding features when you were just talking a second ago. The transitions, right? Saddles. Like, all that is, that's mm-hmm. that's elky. That's, you know, it's obviously comes from your whitetail background, but all that's elky. You know, they're going to congregate around those saddles. They're going to use those saddles. They're going to be in those transition areas. Uh, so, you know, that's just stuff that where the whitetail was shines through right there and, and find an elk. But yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. that, that being a memorable spot, I can remember when I went out for the first time having a tag by myself, man, like, it's just, it's a cool feeling, like running the show. It's like, I, if I kill this animal, it's going to feel just to be honest, like it's going to feel that much better. If I do it on my own, nobody told me shit. I mean, let's be honest. That's just what it is. So, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, a, cool, yeah. it's a cool feeling uh, going out and doing it alone. Anybody can do it. It's just all about, Honestly, it's just it's gritty, man. Like you just the grittier you the grittier you are, the better chance you got because you're gonna have to walk more than you think you're gonna have to walk, or you probably should anyway. You might get yeah. lucky, but I mean, you you know, there's gonna be times you get back to camp and you're like, man, that was a four mile loop, you know, two miles there and back. I'm beat, and it's, you know, you probably ought to go do another loop before sun gets down if you've only got a week. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a fact, man. That's just the way it is. That's a fact. Now, was there anything that you ended up not having that you was just glaringly like, damn, I wish I would have brought up this? Uh, my sleeping bag. Yeah, holy shit. I <laughs> forgot my sleeping bag that first night. So that was a cold <laughs> evening. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, man, like, um, no, I mean, I, I felt pretty prepped. You know, I, I think that, um, I think that had I not have had you out there to kind of give us a heads up, you know, um, on, on what was necessities and what, what wasn't, I think I probably would have overpacked, yep. you know, I, I really feel like I would have got out there and had way too much stuff that I really didn't need. You know, if you're going with somebody, um, let them carry, you know, your skinning kit and then you carry the food or yep. whatever, you know, like. Honestly, if you're going with two people, both of you don't really need a skinning kit, especially if it's an advanced, you know, um, cleaning kit, because, you know, you've got multiple tools, multiple blades, whatever. Um, you know, there are ways to lighten your your pack. Um, I felt like I had pretty much everything I needed, um, you know, and, and I think we could have stayed for even more more days than what we did. And I still would have been fine. You know, um, being close to water is important. You know, obviously, from a hunting standpoint, these animals have to have water to survive. We know this, right? Um, but from a hunting standpoint, you know, you've got to have water um, pretty accessible on that mountainside. I mean, everything you're going to do is really based on water. You know, how where you're going to perform, 
you know, how hydrated you are and then what all you're going to be able to cook, you know, 100%. most of the stuff we're taking is dry, you know, dried food. So you got to have water. When I'm e-scouting, that is the first thing I look at before I put down a prospective camp spot is where's the water? Because don't get me wrong, there's ways around it. You can camp in a place where there's no water, but you're going to have to do your due diligence. You're going to have to go in before season and pack water in. I mean, you're going to have to bring in gallons of water before season, which can be done. Don't get me wrong, but you need to know ahead of time or else you show up and you climb up 2,200 foot, set up your camp and realize you got to climb or descend 2,200 foot to get the water. There is no water anywhere around. And that just ain't right. energy efficient, man. That that, that just right. ain't, that ain't it. So that's a great point you brought up is, you know, when you're e-scouting, you need to plan around water 100%, not only for the animals, but for yourself. Because if you just bring in three liters of water and think you're about to last a week, you got to be hurting. Yeah, and truth be told, you know, how often did you walk around with more than a liter of water on you? Yeah, no, you that's know? a great point. I mean, not point. too often are we carrying around, you know, 48, 64 ounces of water. You're carrying around maybe 32 ounces, 24 to 32 ounces, and that's it. And, you know, we weren't really stopping that often to take drinks or whatever. Um, luckily, we were in shape, you know, mm -hmm. but um, had we not have been, I feel as though we would have maybe tried to carry more, which is really just going to overall just exhaust you even faster. So I felt like water was pretty accessible to where we were every couple hours. We were somewhere where we could get our own water, filter our own water. 100%. And uh, it's actually the best water in the world to drink. You've never drank anything. <laughs> That's good. I can promise you that. Especially after a long hike, man. You go down to the creek, sound the creek, got your boots off, standing there barefoot, you know, dipping the uh, the water bag down in the water, man. Oh, my God, man. Ain't nothing like sitting around camp with the Crocs on, man, after a good, long, hard day. You know, you got the jet bull going. Uh, man, that's that's good times, man. It is fun, y'all. I mean, I'm just telling you. I'm not trying to hype it up. Uh, but I just wanted to give you all this information and kind of share this story with you. Uh, again, it's one of those deals where if if, if y'all put in the time and the effort, you can come out here and get in the elk. Don't, don't get it twisted. But moral of the story, get as good a gear as you can get. You know what I mean? The King's Camos, the Kafaru's, the Vortex, all that stuff. Get as good a gear as you can get, uh, or else you're going to have a miserable time. Can you still operate? Sure. But you're going to have a better time uh, if you invest a little money into it. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to pay dividends in the long run, man. Well, shit, Tyler, I'm glad you came and got to uh, shoot the shit about last year, man. I haven't told that story yet. Yeah, man, that place was cool. Like I said, if any of you guys out there ever get a chance to to take an opportunity to go out and try elk on, it's, you know, like we always say, it's not it's not always about filling that tag. You know, some of the experiences you get from, from hunting and, you know, failed hunts are some of the best experiences you'll have, you know. So definitely take the opportunity to go if you – you know, if it's a dream or something that you have. Um, and like you said, walk, it's always, always fun, you know, getting to talk hunting and stuff with you and look forward to every off season, uh, from work that I have and on season I have of hunting with you, you know, um, yeah, hopefully yeah. we'll get together this winter and do some duck hunting. And I know we're going to get together this winter and do some, some whitetail hunting. So I'm looking forward to you hitting the Midwest, man, and coming out here and laying your big heavy horn whitetail down. Dog, that's the goal, man. I'm fired up for it too, man. Uh, well, guys, I appreciate you listening, Tyler. I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, I just wanted to bring you guys this episode because a lot of people have been asking me about it, you know, kind of what it takes. And, I mean, this is coming from the horse's mouth right here, man. First time elk hunter coming out from out east. This is how he did it. 
Well, there you go, guys. For about three grand, you could come out here and hunt elk for a decent amount of time, man. But, you know, in my humble opinion, and, and as you just heard from Tyler, I think it's more so about how much you're willing to put in to be successful. And now success is, you know, success is a very broad term because some people want different things. They have different goals out of each hunt, right? But if you want to come up here and kill, you know, typically it's going to take a lot of miles. It's going to take a lot of hours on foot. So the point is, is you can have the best camo, you can have the best uh, tent, you can have the best boots, the best bow, all that stuff. But if you're not willing to put in the effort that it usually takes to get an elk killed, in my humble opinion, you're kind of wasting money. So, look, I just wanted to bring that to y'all and present that to you as real and as honest as could be. Like I said, Tyler, this was his first year hunting elk, which was last year. So, y'all heard it directly from him, from A to Z, everything that went into it. So, I hope y'all like that one. And uh, stay tuned, man. I'll have some new stuff for you coming soon, man. I appreciate y'all listening.